So I'm going to carry on this morning. We've been doing a series which has been looking at what God calls us, our identity, and our, our intimacy with him, that actually we can be friends with God and we can have this face-to-face -face relationship of we're called sons and daughters, we're friends of God. And out of that impact that we can love the world and serve the world and serve our community. And uh, it's interesting, my mum was saying about the, the wind in the trees and the promise of something in a cloud the size of a small hand. I'm talking really about a Graham Cook prophetic word. A prophetic word is something that God gives to people to encourage them about what he wants to do in the future. And so when he gives it, sometimes a prophetic promise looks like just the size of a hand, but it comes with a promise from God. And one of the promises is that Christians and local churches can be seen as the solution to the chaos in the world. Now we live in a time of loads of chaos in the world where there's economic chaos and we've had COVID chaos and there's, there's, uh, there's inflation chaos and the prices in the supermarkets chaos and there's loads of things. And God's promising that through people who just love people and love our community really well, that the church can be seen as a solution as we experience the fullness that Jesus died to give us. And so I'm taking this next bit of this prophetic word, and I do really believe that God's going to set us free as well this morning, where we know we've struggled with negativity and the way we see ourselves or the way we see the future, where that's really gripped us and made us struggle. Because in order to bring the fullness of what God wants to bring and to speak promises and fullness and blessing and power and life wherever we go, we ourselves need to be set free from negativity and how that can hold us. And so here's the next part of this prophetic word. Beloved, there is, no, there is to be no more surrendering your identity to a negative. I am, that's God, I'm going to make war on all your negativity. I love this bit. Whose side do you want to be on? <laughs> you do understand that opposition attaches to what you don't remove. I need to take things away from you that are killing you, that are weighing you down, that are making you feel less. My son, that's Jesus, would say to you, I'm taking back my stuff. I died for it. I paid a price for it. It belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. That anger, that fear, that frustration, that rage, that helplessness, that victim spirit, that poverty mindset. I died for those things. I paid a price for them. They're mine. Get your hands off. They're mine. They don't belong to you and you can't have them any longer. We're doing violence against every negative. Come and help us. I'm making war on all your negativity until it's driven out of your mind and out of your heart, until your language changes and everything out of your mouth will have life attached to it. Everything out of your mouth will speak life and power and blessing and fullness and I will turn you into a different man and a different woman. In other words, this is what freedom looks like, the freedom that God has for us. And we can have the next slide that Michelle's produced, which is, is a really lovely graphic of what we'll be talking about this morning. The first thing I want to unpack is no more surrendering your identity to a negative. It's interesting with God 
that sometimes we have an expectation that God is going to do it all for us. That we're sometimes looking for a magic moment where God turns up and takes away all of our negativity or all of our fear or all of our rage or all of our helplessness or all of our poverty mindset. That he'll suddenly turn and take it all away and act on our behalf and somehow we're not involved. But in this prophetic word, there's a command from God saying, no more surrendering your identity to a negative. Come and help us. That God is engaging us. That we're going to be seen as the solution in the world by loving people really, really well. And God is saying, come and help us. That our wills are deeply involved in following Jesus. That our decisions, our choices, our wills, and what we choose to focus on and hold on to, and what we choose to release and let go of, is really critical in terms of being involved in bringing freedom and bringing love and bringing transformation all around us. And in this prophetic word, God is saying, no more surrendering your identity to a negative. That God is God. And he comes to us with gracious, powerful commands and says, actually, I require your obedience. I'm saying, stop. And how do we stop? We just come to God, I think as Joe was saying, as we were singing, just as we are, not with any pretense. And we just come to God and say, I want to agree with you. I want to agree with what you say. That you say there's freedom when I make the choice to let go of negativity and all these things. I want to agree with you. God, can I go on a journey with you? With you. And that's the beginning part. There's a verse in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 10.5, that says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And in this prophecy, it's another way of saying that. When we get into helplessness, when we get into rage, when we get into a poverty mindset or a poverty spirit around uh, what we believe God can do, it becomes like something, like an argument that argues and tells us, uh, no, God won't and he can't and he doesn't love you and he loves everyone else but he doesn't love you. Or it pretensions and it, it makes up stories about God. And in this particular verse it says, no, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up and we tear it down. And so in this prophetic word there's a statement of no more submitting to negative assessments. No more submitting to negative assessments. Stop handing yourself over to a negative conclusion. Can I say it's really interesting, we've lived here 13 years and when we arrived in Plumstead, South East London, one of the first things we noticed was there was a lot of negative conclusions around the place. Th things like it won't work here, we, we can't do that, we've tried this before, it doesn't work. There's a lot of negativity in the atmosphere in this area. And that can come inside of us as people, and that can just be the atmosphere we breathe all around us. That it doesn't matter, it won't work, it, it can't change, it will never ever be any different. And we can submit and we come under a kind of thing 
Do you, I don't know if do you, any of you, I don't like custard. Anybody like custard? I mean, I don't really like custard. I really don't like custard when it's got skin on it. I really don't. But sometimes it can feel like we come under and we submit and over our head is like a custard skin. And every now and then we poke through the skin and sometimes it can be on a Sunday, we hear something encouraging, we worship God and we poke through the custard skin and say, wow, there's so much space here. It's so different. And then Monday morning comes, you know what custard does. It kind of just seals itself, doesn't it? It's like, I don't know what that stuff is. I wonder if it came from another planet. There's a whole story around custard. But we come right under it and we submit again and come under it. And it's like God is saying, I'm, I'm bringing a season where there's going to be no more submitting to a negative self-assessment, both of yourself or the future or the location or the things around you. And it says stop handing yourself over to negative conclusions. We can hand ourselves over and come into agreement. And sometimes we can be surrounded by negativity. Has this ever happened to you? You're, you're feeling quite hopeful and then you meet, there's, there's maybe some negativity in, a, in the office place or where you work and people start speaking and you, you've got a lot of hope and expectation, optimism, but by the time you've been around maybe four or five people, you think, it won't work, it can't work, this place is never changing, blah, blah. And we come under it and we almost hand ourselves over to it. But this prophetic word is saying, no, you're going to be people who are going to speak life and power and blessing and fullness. And that's what we're unpacking. How do we be those kind of people? And so we start with, God, I want to agree with you. I want to go on a journey with you. And why is this so important? Because self-criticism about ourselves and our circumstances or other people or pessimism are things that can take us captive and make us feel less. It can become something that actually gets inside of us and can become almost our personality and the way we see things. And in this prophetic word he's saying opposition attaches to what we, won't, or what we don't remove. And so it's an important word because we're meant to be people who, who actually are culture shifters, culture changers, influencers and bringers of hope. Wherever we are and whatever we do. And I was in the dentist this week and this guy walked in and he was so positive. He was so loud and positive. And the receptionist was a bit grumpy, to be honest, and she was quite rude. But she was changed by the atmosphere of this really positive guy. And then he goes into the dentist room to have his... In before they get the stuff in his mouth, he's so, yeah, it's brilliant, my life is good. He was just so positive and he brought positivity in the room. So we can be people in our personality, with our type of person, who bring life and power and blessing. Opposition attaches to what we don't remove. But it's not God on one side and here we are on the other trying to modify and change ourselves, saying, God, eventually I'm going to be the kind of person who will be that kind of positive person. Just be patient with me, God, I'm trying, I'm going to change. This prophetic word says, no, I am going to make war on all your negativity. It's God coming to us and saying, hey, I can see you under the custard skin, I can see you struggle. I can see how every now and then you get your head above the cusp and then you go right under. I'm going to make war on all that stuff. I'm going to make war on all that negativity. I'm going to make war on all that hopelessness. I'm initiating. 
I'm taking an initiative to go to war on our negative beliefs. God is announcing to you and to me his intention, his decision to undermine the power of negativity. That's a powerful thing. He's saying, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to turn you into a different man or different woman. Maybe we can be confronted and think, actually, it's me when, when, when I'm the one who brings the atmosphere. I'm the one in the, the staff room. I'm the one in the office. I'm the one in the family. I'm the one on the bus who's grumbling and moaning. It's me. It's inside of me. The great news God is saying, I see you. I know you. I love you. I'm coming to rescue you from that. I'm coming to bring a breakthrough to that. I've made a decision. I've, I've announced my decision. I'm undermining it. And God gives Christians, he gives believers, he gives us weapons with what he describes as with divine power. That's a big thing, isn't it? What does he do? He places something in our hand that enables us to cooperate with God. He says the weapons we fight with in 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. So how does the world around us, society, tell us to change? They say, try harder, grit your teeth, get white knuckles, modify yourself, act and perform and pretend to be different. That's often the weapons of the world. Or it says, why don't you just criticise everyone and blame everyone and then you take the focus off yourself. It says, no, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons on the world. On the contrary, they have God power to demolish a stronghold. That's a funny word, isn't it? What's a stronghold? What's a stronghold? It's a set of thoughts and beliefs that are founded upon lies. They're not the truth. Like a stronghold can be, it always goes wrong for me. It will never work out for me. God loves everyone else, but he couldn't love me. Everybody else seems to be able to be really intimate and enjoy friendship with God. For me, it's a struggle and I feel at a distance. Everybody else says things are going to work together good for them, but it always seems to get worse and worse for me. So it's a mindset that's fueled by lies. And this weapon is when we take a lie and we, we replace it with a promise, a biblical promise of what God is like and that God has no favourites, he loves each person equally and the same, that actually the verse says all things work together for good for those who are called according to God's purpose and uh, he, he does it for all people. When we replace a lie with truth, we find that we're holding a weapon and we're pulling down a mindset, a stronghold. And so this happens not by trying harder to behave, but it comes through transforming our beliefs and with truth. So if you think about the Bible, the Old Testament, first part of the Bible before Jesus, is all about behaviour. It's all about external behaviour. It's all about keeping the rules and having right behaviour. In the New Testament, it becomes a new heart. It becomes being a new creation. It becomes being born again by the Spirit. So it's no longer about modifying the behaviour, Rather, it's about believing what God has said. Be metamorphosized, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2 says. And so in this, this prophetic word, it asks, whose side do you want to be on? It's a wonderfully provocative thing. 
that freedom presents us with choices, decisions and responsibility. Transformation of us, the breaking through the custard, so we see things from a higher perspective, from a perspective of freedom and liberty, that's a work of God, but we're not passive in it. We cooperate with God by saying, God, I want to be on your side on this. I want to be empowered by you. I'm making a choice. So what kind of spiritual choices are you making? What kind of conversations do you initiate? What kind of conversations do you throw more fuel on? Are they hopeful conversations or are they negative conversations? Whose side do you want to be on? Maybe it's your past that defines you. God says, actually, it's not your past that defines you. It's who God says you are, your identity in the Lord Jesus. That's what defines you. Maybe it's how you have been told you are. No, actually, God says, I've got a higher assessment for you, another perspective for you. And so we can say, God, I want to be on your side. I want to agree that these historical traits are not what defines me. If I do an online test, I am 98% melancholic, which means my natural disposition without the grace and the power of God is to be Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, okay? That's who I would be without the transforming power of grace on me, and that's who I easily slip into when um, I don't draw and lean upon God's power and grace. I could agree that I'll always be an Eeyore, I'll always be melancholic, or I can say, no, the God of all hope can fill me with joy and peace in believing, in trusting, that I can connect to supernatural joy, supernatural hope. That I don't have to believe, and you don't have to believe that it's your past that determines who you are, or your present circumstances. Do you understand, Graham Cook the prophet says, that opposition attaches to what you don't remove? I need to take things away from you that are killing you, that are weighing you down, that are making you feel less. Could it be that we live in a world of real circumstances, we do live in a world of real circumstances, don't we? And there are real challenges and real difficulties. And it's true that it's a I don't, just on a side note, how does Tesco make up his pricing each week and changing them? Do you think there's someone in a place where they think, they won't notice that, that's a funny price. <laughs> I don't know, it just seems funny, just in random products. But we live in a world where these things are real and they're impacting us. And, and things can impact us, but could it be that part of our weariness, part of our struggle, part of the hostility and resistance we feel is because of negative mindsets and viewpoints that we haven't actually really ever surrendered to God. And so instead of surrendering them and saying, God, this is not my identity. This is not how you see me. This is not how you see my circumstances. This is not how you see the future. This is not actually now how you view my past. This is not how you view my personality. You, 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 you love me. You, you are loved by God just as you are. But maybe part of our weariness is that we don't surrender those things to God and we entertain them and we think about them too much and we accommodate them. Because they can feel so true, can't they? That God's saying words like, you're glorious and you're loved 
and you're the beloved and I, I rejoice over you with singing and I spin when I think about you and I can't wait for you to wake up in the morning and you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you are magnificent and you are perfect and pure and holy and precious and loved. That just doesn't always feel true, does it? When you go to work and someone puts you down and someone doesn't believe in you and you feel overlooked for a promotion or things don't circumstantially seem to be working out. It doesn't feel. But this is a word that's coming and saying, I'm coming to you for you to agree with me, regardless of whether it feels true, that we can then see ourselves and we can see God and we can see other people, not through the lens of negativity, but through the lens of hope and joy and expectation. Because those things kill and they weigh down and make us feel less. And so God as a loving father says, I want to take those things away from you, much like a parent comes to a child playing with matches near a can of petrol and says, I want to take those things away from you, not to limit or to control, but actually so that that person can be safe and free and have wide expanse to walk in. So God says, I'm going to war, not so that you fix yourself, so that you embrace my power. So that's a little bit about the process of stuff. We hand stuff over. But actually, this transformation that God is on giving us on offer sits on a historical foundation, not just an experiential foundation in the moment. And so I want to read this next bit, because something happened at the cross of Jesus that is the foundation that actually makes transformation and metamorphosis and change possible. It's the cross of Jesus that can say, Jamie, there's a greater word spoken over you than... You, you, you can be a little melancholic, you could be a little Eeyore sometimes. There's a greater word, and I want to go on to that now in the last bit. My son would say to you, as Jesus, I'm taking back my stuff. I died for it. I paid a price for it. It belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. That anger, that fear, that frustration, that rage, that helplessness that victim spirit, that poverty mindset. I died for those things. I paid a price for them. They're mine. Get your hands off, they're mine. They don't belong to you and you can't have them any longer. The cross of Jesus is what makes all experiential radical transformation possible. Because the good news of Christianity isn't just that a person is forgiven or that a person's past is completely and utterly cleansed and forgiven. The, the hope of Christianity is that through the life of Jesus and through the death of Jesus and through the resurrection of Jesus, we can actually live a brand new life in a brand new land. That the old is gone and the new has come. 2 Corinthians says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. And the new has come. The message translation of Romans 6.1 says this about when a person becomes a Christian. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If you've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can you still live in your old house there? Or didn't you realise we packed up and left there for good? This is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water... We left the old country of sin behind. 
And when we came out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace, a life in a new land. So Christianity is a radical statement that old things are gone and new things have come. It's not, this prophetic word is not saying, right, now you have to go to work on all your negativity. Now you have to go to work on all your anger. Now you have to go to work on all your rage. Now you have to go to work on whatever trait it is that you think, actually, that's what holds me back. Christianity is, in the moment of coming to the Lord Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come, and we actually become new creations and new creatures. Um, the Old Testament points to it and says, I'll give you a new heart that will want to please God. Instead of rules, we get a new heart that actually wants to please God, that leaps and says, actually, I don't want to hold on to those things as I've got a new life. Another way of saying it is Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom and liberty that Jesus died for us. And so this prophetic word is reminding us of, this, of the Bible that says that negative character trait doesn't actually belong to you anymore. It's not your identity. It doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to be your preoccupation. Your preoccupation is this. You've left an old house. You've moved house into a brand new land. Your preoccupation is now exploring grace, exploring freedom, exploring the promises of God, exploring the love of God, exploring your identity in Christ and the intimacy you have. And you might say, oh, this is just pie in the sky, Jamie. This is, are you saying wishful thinking? Because you might be sitting there and thinking, actually, I'm overwhelmed with fear. I'm overwhelmed with a poverty mindset. I'm overwhelmed with hopelessness. I'm overwhelmed with, with anger and rage. I'm overwhelmed with a great sense of frustration. Hey, this stuff feels really, really alive to me. But the Bible just says, in the same way, count or reckon or conclude you yourselves dead to those things, dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, for those of you, how many people died with Jesus on the cross? How many were there? There were two other people. And how do we know that there were two people who died at the same time? in the Gospels, the recorded record. It also says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. So there were two people, two men, one hurled insults, one Jesus, who, who, who turned around and said to Jesus, um, you are the son of God. And Jesus turned around to him and said, today you will be with me in paradise, in the garden you're going to be with me. Which is outstanding and astonishment, astonishing. How many good deeds did that guy do to get the promise of going into the garden? <laughs> I mean, he's on the cross. <laughs> he's got a few hours to live. He's going nowhere. Apart from Jesus says, today you'll be with me. But the Bible says that these two died, but also, I died. I died. I died to what? The power of being controlled by negativity, fear, 
hopelessness, despair, poverty mindsets that never, or negativity about our future. Not, I'm not talking about perfection, that we, when we come to Christ, if you notice, you didn't walk out suddenly perfect in your behaviour and attitude, but how many of you are growing day by day by grace and being transformed as you renew your mind over time? But whether it's a slow process, the fundamental thing is, in coming to Christ, your fundamental identity is new creation, beloved, holy, pure, blameless, glorious. That happened in the moment you just came to Christ because I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I've left that old land and I've come into a new land. That changes everything, you see, because it means that we're in this relationship with God in this intimate place of being loved regardless of our behaviour. It's actually on the basis of what happened on the cross. So God says in his prophetic word, they're mine. They don't belong to you. You can't have them any longer. And how do we enter into that? We count and reckon and conclude ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. It's a little like this. If you're on a plane flying to Spain and when the plane lands, they say to you, put your watches one hour forward. Why? Because in Spain, the time is one hour ahead of the UK. Yeah? That's reality. And whether you agree with it or disagree with it, whether you think it's still quarter past 12, no, in Spain it's quarter past one. That's reality. And you, you don't have to convince yourself of it. You don't have to make yourself believe it. Got to convince myself. Got to make it true. No, it is true. It's 1.15 in Spain right now. Whether you feel it or not, it's 1.15 in Spain. That's reality. And so when the Bible says, count, reckon, and conclude yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ, it's just saying, this is reality. It doesn't matter whether you feel it. Doesn't matter whether your experience or your emotions resonate with it, it is true. It just is true. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life I live in the body, because we still live lives, don't we? With pressure, with difficulty, with challenges. I live by faith or trust in who? The Son of God, who loved me, personal, and gave himself for me. So, so much of Christianity is trying to fix up the old self. The old self is dead, buried, gone. But what we try and do is we go back to the grave and we say, right God, I'm really serious about pleasing you. I'm really serious about living this new life for you. I'm going to dig up my old self and dress up the old corpse and make the old corpse please you. And Jesus says, it's dead. It's been co-crucified with me. You've got a new life in a new land. Now live the new life on the basis of it's true because it's true. And that's why Jesus says in this prophetic word, I'm taking back my stuff because it didn't belong to you. Now I understand, going back to the beginning, that sometimes we can have a stronghold, a whole collection of thoughts that we've got that are lies that we believe that can make us frustrated, hopeless and angry. 
And I think God is so kind and gracious. He says, I'm going to take you on a journey where I'm going to convince you step by step that that's no longer your identity. He's okay with process. He's okay with journey. But as you're dealing with it, you're no less lovable to God and no less invited to be in a place of intimacy. Just to land. I'm making war on all your negativity until it's driven out of your mind and your heart, until your language changes. And everything out of your mouth will have life attached to it. Everything out of your mouth will speak life and power and blessing and fullness. And I'll turn you into a different man or a different woman. You, know, you are a different man or a different woman if you've come to Christ because you're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. But in this part of this prophecy, he's talking about our lived out experience. Living out of the reality that the old has gone. And you'll know when it's been driven out. When your language changes, when the way you describe things changes, the way you speak about yourself changes, the way you speak about God changes, and the way you speak about your circumstances changes. And then from that place of being fully persuaded on the inside because of an activity of God, you start to speak. And out of that place of, I know I'm loved. I know I'm the beloved. I know he's with me. I know he works everything together for good. I'm full of joy. I'm full of hope. I'm full of life. I'm full of peace. Now out of the inside of being fully convinced by the grace of God, you speak life and you speak power and you speak blessing and you speak fullness and you go into different locations and you set the atmosphere and you release the fragrance of Jesus, the smell of Christ. You, you have this love that exudes over people. And it's all coming out of the reality. I'm fully convinced. I can turn aside the chaos where I live because I'm convinced of how he sees me. Just landing. Proverbs 18:21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And just to pray, even in moments where you've, death has come to you because something someone said, we say, even now, Jesus, freedom where something someone said created death for you, put a burden on you, took you captive. And so this metamorphosis, this transformation, is not about trying harder or performing better or self-modifying or pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, white knuckles and gritted teeth. It's about, do not be... Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the amazing reality of what you have done for us through your life and through your death and through your resurrection. Thank you, God, that at the very core of who we are is a transformed new creation, a beloved, a child. One who can have intimacy with you and say, Abba, Father. One who has an identity of being a co-heir, having an inheritance. And one who has an incredible calling to bring life and love and fullness and blessing wherever we go. Thank you, God. That's how you see us. That you don't see us as different when we maybe fall into negativity or fall into rage or anger. But you see us as the beloved. Thank you that on the cross you took those things away from us. God, 
We account it, we reckon it, we choose to believe that's how you see us in Christ today. We choose to agree with you. In your name, Jesus. Thank you. Amen.